Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 155 after a week off for the American Independence Day weekend, which I am told I had a good time. I don't really remember it much at all. Um, I, I remember you kept your pants on. <laughs> the whole time? Yeah. Like they're, a big boy. They're filthy. They're just <laughs> awful. I should have removed them at least for those one or two. Hey, now. All right. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows. <laughs> it just is. Oh, boy. The, number one, I'm going to be editing biological sounds out of this because we just had dinner, <laughs> which is of questionable good judgment before doing a show. Yes. And Amanda had a glass of wine with dinner, and I've got... Uh, I, I'm doing a change of pace. I, I, well, I actually, I do have a Berkshire Brewing Company fine steel rail pale ale here. But before that, I have two Lord Hobo Consolation Prize double IPAs, one of which I've already started pouring down my head. So we got to get this show done quickly and as cleanly as humanly possible because we've set a deadline on ourselves the minute I uncork this liquid dynamite. Yeah, making good choices there. It's like 10% alcohol. Yeah. This stuff is glorious. <laughs> From the fine town of Woburn, Massachusetts. I could just go pour you like a shot of whiskey. It's uh, not quite as thirst quenching. And besides, I like to celebrate Woburn, the home of, well, Lord Hobo Brewing Company and several forms of industrial waste, I'm told. (laughs) Mmm, intoxicating. All right. So the intention for this show is to be intentionally short. Because we have to save bandwidth because we want to do shows from San Diego Comic-Con. Yes. Probably at least Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we're on a plan where bandwidth typically doesn't matter except when you're trying to do more than just one show a week. Right. So, so yeah, we, we want to try to be careful of it. So this is going to try to be intentionally short. Now, normally, based on when we're putting this up, this would be a show about a movie. Spider-Man Homecoming just came out last week. That didn't work out because we wanted to have some of our normal guests that we have for movies on, and we have them tentatively confirmed for next week, but it didn't work out for this week for anybody. Very tentatively. Very tentatively. Plus, uh, we haven't seen the fucking movie yet. Although I did hear it made over $100 million this weekend, so go Tom Holland. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm, sure it, I'm sure it will rue those $23 that we didn't give it, that we're probably going to give it on Wednesday after we pick up new comics. Yeah. But yeah, it's just that there was too much going on this weekend, and I really, I stopped and thought about it. We're kind of spoiled for choice <laughs> when it comes to geek entertainment now, because I remember when the first Spider-Man movie came out, and it was still a big deal to get a comic book movie. We'd had a couple mm. X-Men, but this was like the first non-X-Men big one, and we went to like three different theaters just looking for tickets from downtown Boston yeah. that we wound up in Cambridge? Yeah, I think uh, the movie theater on Alewife. Yeah, so not close to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office no. now or then. Yeah. But it, yeah, it was we're going to go place to place because I can't not see Spider-Man finally in real life on the big screen. You know, not counting Nicholas Hammond, Spider-Man. <laughs> or where, the one in the electric company. Uh, right, where, where the web shooter uh, <laughs> fired like 10-gauge steel cable. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, I can watch Spider-Man punch out Morgan Freeman all the time. <laughs> it wasn't Spider-Man's Mortal Enemy Easy Reader or something on the electric I company. I don't think that was. It's been a while. And once in a while, I get drunk and nostalgic and dial them up on YouTube. Amazingly, they don't hold up. <laughs> Does it mid- hold up better or worse than Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi one? 
the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2 is still excellent. I know you just watched some of it after I passed out last <laughs> night on the couch. I felt like like Molina's performance still holds up and it's one of the better ones by Tommy, Toby Maguire. It It's definitely the best one by Toby yeah. Maguire. But then there's other parts of it where it's like, "Oh shit, this is a Raimi movie." Like you didn't realize it watching it at the time. Yeah. I can- and then you're like, Nah, this is a Raimi movie. Like the, those dark, roiling clouds in the sky. We, we could have deadites on us at any moment. And <laughs> I would pay almost any amount of money to see Spider Man and Ash fighting deadites. Oh God! Like, shut up and take my money. <laughs> Make it a four-hour magnum opus. <laughs> give, give them the full David Lynch Twin Peaks treatment. Give them eighteen <laughs> hours to do it. I'll watch every instant of it. You couldn't peel me away from the television. But what day job? Fuck the day job. I gotta watch Spider Man and Ash. I'll steal your soul. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Insert quip that I couldn't come up with in time because I had wine with dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is gonna be a rare form show for the both of us. Yeah. You're sobering up. I'm getting drunk. At some point, we'll meet, <laughs> and the show will be genius for like seven minutes, and then we'll just go off the fucking rails on some kind of goddamn excellent, tangent. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, after I said it's going to be intentionally short, yeah, we're not off to a great start on that. Uh, so, yes, we're, next week we plan on talking about Spider-Man Homecoming with a couple, maybe three guests. So, yeah, this week, whereas normally the week before Comic-Con, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, that's when we would talk about what's coming up when we're attending. And like we said in our uh, show a couple of weeks ago, it does look like we're going to be able to go for all five days. So yes. we definitely... Knocking wood on that. (laughs) We definitely want to be able to do at least two or three shows from there. And normally we'd talk about the schedule and stuff about Comic-Con just before. This is what we got. So we're talking about it this week, and it kind of works out because the entire schedule for SDCC 2017 has been coming out over the past few days. The Sunday schedule, the last one, came out today. So it's been a long afternoon of me going through the schedule, trying to find panels that would not just be fun for you and me to go to, Amanda, but that would be interesting to cover mm. for the podcast. Okay. So You mean you want to care about other people? I mean, i got to start someday. I can't go to hell. You know what they do to people like me in hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's like prison only barbed. Ooh. <laughs> so I can't have that. I mean, I can't count on the deathbed confessions. I, most priests already have restraining orders out on me, so that's not going to fly. <laughs> I'd have to <laughs> die by oh, boy. sudden misadventure in the strange territory of the world where they don't know my reputation. Great. So you're the Constantine of... <laughs> if I could... <laughs> I, I can't get the neighbors to pick on each other. I don't think I can start a war in hell like in Dangerous <laughs> Habits. I don't think that's going to work out. One way or the other, i got to get right with whatever, whatever operating system <laughs> works the system. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Lord Hobo, double IPA, folks. <laughs> Consolation oh. Prize, aptly named. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an apt name. It's a, yeah, if you can find this beer, it's really good. It's really not cheap, but it's really good. Pause for beer. I'm drinking water right now. What have you done with Amanda? I don't even recognize you. I'm, I'm trying to, like, save the wine for after the show because I have, like, two glasses left in that bottle, and then I'm switching to the box of red Boxed red wine. Yeah. Pool floaties. Yep. <laughs> Go back in the archives. You'll find the pool floaties joke. I believe it's the name of the episode. It is. <laughs> so, it was actually uh, 
recorded during a Comic-Con. So just go get. <laughs> yes. And that was a lot of fun. We're, we're trying to get Anne to be a guest at San Diego again this year. She hasn't committed yet. We'll get her drunk. She won't be able to leave. It'll work out. So yeah, I just figured we'd talk about the, the schedule and the stuff that's coming up. I mean, first of all, we're not going to be able to, even the ones we have listed here, which is a tiny slice of what's going on at Comic-Con, we're not going to be able to get to all of these. We no. are only people. At least one of us is a terribly out of shape person. We are only people, and and we can only walk so fast. We we only have so many hours in the day, and so many heartbeats before we die. Yeah, and and, and eventually you have to leave the convention center in order to eat. Uh, otherwise, you will not only die by eating convention center Here, food. Here's your first convention tip: leave the convention center to eat. <laughs> Go almost anywhere. McDonald's, Arby's, doesn't matter. There's a guy you'll find on Fifth Ave in Gaslamp that has a, a spinny sign for Subway. Whatever. Just don't eat on the convention floor. You'll thank us later. The convention floor food makes Subway look like the Ritz. Yeah. Uh, and it it's like paying at the Ritz. It's like yeah. $9 for a slice of cafeteria pizza. It's like... Ah, I have acid reflux and my butt hurts. What happened to me? Oh, <laughs> I, I ate at the convention center. Now, why isn't that an official convention t-shirt? <laughs> They're missing a sure bet. That's the only one I would buy. So, yes, even the stuff here, we're not going to be able to get to all of it. Uh, and we may have missed certain things that uh, people, you know, in perusing the schedule, if you just sort of idly go, I'll try to remember to put a link to the schedule in the show notes. Okay. Uh, although now I'm racing the drunk. You I, sure are. I already are. feel this hit. It's going to be a <laughs> classic episode. So I felt at dinner. I'm like, oh, I can just have like a glass of wine with dinner. I'm like, oh, oh, this is what happens when you had like a salad and that's all you ate earlier today. Yeah. It's, uh, we're trying to <laughs> desperately in a week drop a little weight and build up a little muscle mass to survive Comic-Con. Just so I can get out of the seat in the plane. Just I want to be able to get into and out of the seat. We'll plan. start with that. That's a good start. But yeah, there's enough walking there. So uh, yeah. But if you're going through the schedule and you see something that's like, wow, I'd like to hear Rob and Amanda bitch drunkenly about that or something, please shoot us an email, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Uh, message us through Facebook. Uh, Twitter. Or, yeah, Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle at Infinite Midlife. Because first of all, don't even bother asking about the the movie and TV shit. We generally don't do any of that. It's to get into those things, it's worth your goddamn life. Mm -hmm. You got to be in line early and for hours and then just sit in the room because one of the things with San Diego, they don't clear the rooms in between panels. It's good and it's bad. Yeah, so if there's a panel you desperately want to see, and, and this is why Hall H, which is the big room at Comic-Con where all the movies do their stuff, that's why it's such a goddamn zoo, because if people desperately want to see, say, the Marvel Studio panel, which I think is Saturday at 5.30, they will, in some cases, camp out overnight Yes, and go in there for whatever the 10 a.m. panel is and sit there all day, wallowing in their own desperation and filth in order to see maybe Robert Downey Jr., as as if watching the Rolling Stones at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, you're technically in the same room. You're really watching them on the TV. Yeah. But what the hell? <laughs> it's, for some people, that's the experience they want. The other thing to keep in mind is, based on the price you're paying for this show, yeah, this is technically our vacation. I'm not sitting in a room for eight hours. No. Rob has already made some people heartbroken by saying he's probably not going to go to the Twin Peaks. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because that's the one Hall H panel I have on here uh, that is purely going to be a target of opportunity, but we'll potentially talk about that one. 
But yeah, if there's something you want us to to see, if one of these sounds terrible, and you die, I will never listen to the show if you uh, talk about going to the Ghostbusters panel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try hard to give a fuck, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's uh, the way my notes are set up. The Ghostbusters panel is the only one on this first page. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's the only one I can remember. Right, off we can, the top we can of discuss my head. why people might be disgusted with that in a minute. I guess. Then. Uh, I, I don't know. I just pulled it out of my ass. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> So we'll go through the whole schedule uh, based on the stuff that that I let you haven't looked, Amanda. At the no, I am going to be pleasantly surprised by all of this. It's a, a lot of it is going to be uh, the shit you would expect. There was one glaring omission that I'll talk about at the end. I heard you muttering a lot of stuff about Rob, Rob Liefeld. I'm, I'm a little concerned. I didn't even list that one. There okay. is, a, I think, on Saturday a 25th anniversary of Rob Liefeld's accomplishments in comics. Okay, listing them out off the top of my head, about five feet. <laughs> I har- Mr. Liefeld, how did you get so far in comics not drawing feet? <laughs> Why are you so awesome? Is, tell me more about being extreme. I bear no will ill. for Will to, ill? Will ill. <laughs> Fine, Lord Hobo, <laughs> Constellation Prize double IPA. I, I bear no ill will toward Rob Liefeld. He's more, easy to make fun of. More hash lines equals more awesome, right? Right? He gets paid by the hash line. <laughs> That's why he's... Uh, <laughs> Well, he was a millionaire once upon a time. I'm guessing thousandaire now. Uh, I'm just sure. Pulling that out. I don't know. So, yes, that's not a panel we'll talk about here. I thought about throwing it on the list. I have a couple on here that we're not going to. <laughs> it was, there's always, when you're looking at the schedule for San Diego Comic Con, you'll come across a panel going, What? Really? That's a the, the Comic Con. This is what you're going to. Yeah, I got a couple on here. Okay. Should we just start out with preview night? Do we? There is fuck all on preview night. There's nothing. <laughs> Seriously, for years, preview night preview night was created for hardcore collectors. Yeah, the people who were going to Comic Con specifically for exclusives, or if they were looking for a specific item on the floor. Like if you wanted Action Comics number one, you went on preview night. Yeah, you had to engage in hand-to-hand combat with Nicolas Cage, but by God, you yeah. did it on preview night. That's when you went. Or if you wanted that very special um, hot box toy kind of thing. Or... I've tried to hot box the main floor. <laughs> I can't do it on my Hot own. Wheels. Hot yes. Wheels. Yes. <laughs> uh, good show. Do you want a sip of my beer? No. <laughs> hot Wheels, My Little Pony, all of those various... Ins- they always have special edition things. Yeah. Like one year, I got a, a San Diego Comic-Con collectible, like, a-team van. <laughs> For reasons I still can't understand. I wanted the A-team van. <laughs> it's still in the box somewhere. I know, I think because otherwise it loses value. Oh, it's your retirement plan. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> it's better than my retirement plan, but it's okay. To, to hire me a, a, a speech therapist as I get too old to actually be able to speak because of the booze. And someday I'm going to give you <laughs> drugged milk and then take the A-team van out just to get in the full <laughs> spirit of it. Just take it. <laughs> No, no, be a Baracus memories here. Oh no, I'm just saying that that wouldn't work. You'd have to, I'd have to wake up on a plane somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then on on the tray is the now unboxed van. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time they had to drug him to get him on the van. Seriously, in the you van? You don't remember that? No, I remember it was like he had difficulty with air transport. It was it was yet another episode where they were saving some logging town and like the head of the the logging uh, logging town. Where is my A team Twin Peaks crossover? <laughs> How awesome would that be? That would uh, <laughs> <laughs> the log lady versus B A Baracus fight. <laughs> but no, it was a. Uh, 
yeah, it's the the head of the mill was threatening some family, and yeah, there was that was the one with the hypnotist. They hypnotized B.A. to try to get him to be okay to get on the plane. But then when he came out of it, he, he was still afraid of planes, but he was also afraid of the van. I'm going to define this now. And, and Face was telling him, just pretend, just pretend that it's uh, the car. And B.A. said, I burn my family alive. And I like to light things on the fire. <laughs> I have to go longer and longer every time to come up with a bullshit story. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I, I would have seen this. I'd remember this. Like, this isn't the p- episode where... Where Murdoch tries to convince him that no, really, he's invincible, invisible, and all he has to do is say white paper over and over again. And, and now, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was an actual episode. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. <laughs> and in my mind, the other, I'm sorry, I was like, you know, splitting things into little compartments. I'm like, so how would they take out Bob? Well, what would Hannibal do? <laughs> he would uh, build a Black Lodge breach machine <laughs> out of a backhoe, 14 rubber bands, and MacGyver's spine. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long way to go to get to that. But that's okay. I've decided it's a thing I'm going to do every single time. That's, that's fine. <laughs> now you're just telling me to look for it. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not already looking for it. <laughs> well, because I think after a certain point, it's a, more of a dick move for me to say, and then you burned your family alive? All right, so you know what? I'll I'll lay off it for a few episodes, <laughs> and then I'll bring it back. Because you just get such joy. <laughs> I really do. I get the biggest stupid <laughs> grin right now. We were talking about Preview Night we at were. San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> and the cool thing about Preview Night used to be that if you had sort of a yen to drink all afternoon and just sort of roll around the floor half shit-faced and like take stupid pictures, you could do it. Like, if you wanted to get drunk and get a picture of yourself dry-humping the leg of the giant Lego Iron Man, it was possible. Because preview night was generally far more empty. We're not saying anybody did that, um, and or that there are pictures of such an event. It's just that one could plausibly have done that. Oh, it's me. There's pictures. (laughs) (laughs) They're on the internet, but I'm going to tell you where they are. Not a chance. But, yeah, now preview... Merry Christmas, Mom! (laughs) But yeah, now preview night, it's it's just as crowded as every other day of the vacation, of vacation, the convention. Now they do have programming. There's always one panel. It's like the last five years they've been doing it. And it's the, the Warner Brothers does their like new shows for yeah. the CW or whatever. So yes, there's programming. Uh, they're they're going to show off Krypton and Black Lightning at 6 o'clock okay. in Ballroom 20. But the problem is, since that's always the only panel that's ever going on, it's always a fucking zoo. Like people line up at three o'clock to get into the six o'clock panel in ballroom 20. Right. And I'm not going to do that. I'm, <laughs> I don't care what they're debuting in there. Yeah. They could be debuting Supergirl blows Rob from crisis on infinite midlives. I still wouldn't go to that fucking panel. I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, I signed a development deal. <laughs> I don't think they're uh, they're going to green light my pilot. I have other questions. <laughs> <laughs> Show must go on. Showtime, <laughs> So, yeah, Wednesday, there's nothing going on, which is why there's probably not going to be a show on Thursday, because what are you going to say? Oh, there's cool stuff on the floor. We might put pictures up on Facebook. That's probably what we'll do. Yeah, because you don't need 20 minutes of us going, oh, my God, it was so crowded. Yeah, that's every other. That's, that's pretty much what we would say. That's every other episode we're going to do during the week anyway, yeah. so fuck it. So that gets us into Thursday when the actual programming starts. Comic-Con is so big at this point, it's really, we've talked about this before, 
it's really a whole lot of conventions in one. So yeah, if you're into TV, you can spend the whole thing in Ballroom 20. You know, movies is Hall H. Uh, if you're trying to break into comics, there's like a 50 different panels about how to do that, both on the writing end and on the art end, on the editing end. And, and also all sorts of portfolio review things set up by various publishing companies yeah, set up. Those go on all day long in the autograph area. I mean, Jesus, I counted there's like 10 different panels on how to be a voiceover artist, which is as much of a niche within geekdom as I can think of, but... They've got a whole bunch of stuff. If that's what you want to do and that's what you want to learn about, that can be your convention. We do it for the comics. Now, we're only human. If there's a cool panel about like TV or a movie and we walk by and there's obviously empty seats, we will duck into it. We saw the person of interest panel back in 2013, I think. Yes. And it was purely, we were walking past, what was it, room 6DEF? One, one of the, of the it big was a ones. Oversized room, yeah. Yeah. And it's a, uh, there were seats in the back, and we both watched the show. So, all right, there's nothing else we're running to. Why don't we go in and check it out? But we're not going to go out of our way to do that. We go there for the comic books. Yes. Yeah. With, <laughs> with not clear on the rooms, I'm just not going to sit there all day long. That's, that's where the whole Twilight Ruin Comic Con thing came from. You'd get these twihards, and they'd line up overnight and stay in Hall H all day, and then the Twilight panel would happen, and then they'd wander around with no idea what the rest of Comic-Con was about, just looking for shit to do, getting yeah. in everybody's way. Yeah, there's, there's nothing I give enough of a fuck about <laughs> to sit around all day to see, except maybe Twin Peaks. We'll talk about that when we get to the Friday programming. So the first thing I had, uh, I had on here that probably would interest you uh, more so, or at least as much as me. Yeah, 10.15 a.m., Room 60E, Ghostbusters 101, a Ghostbusters panel of biblical proportions. Biblical, you say? Yeah, I didn't write it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, going to be Ivan Reitman and the IDW uh, Ghostbusters creators uh, talking about the the franchise, including everything from the classic original movies, the long-running comic book, uh, future plans for major events, be there, be slimed, writes wow, the shit. But will they tell me about the Twinkie? What about the Twinkie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. This man has no dick. It's the only Ghostbusters one I got. This could be interesting if only to see the warring factions over the Ghostbusters reboot last oh, year. God. Just arguing with each other with poor fucking Ivan Reitman, who only ever wanted to make a dollar off of this fucking thing, being forced to be the judge. Yeah. That I, would be entertaining. I mean... It, on on paper, it sounds interesting. The thing for me about any panel that happens before 11 a.m. is, am I up early enough to actually mobilize myself to get out of the hotel for a 10 a.m. panel? That is the problem with all of these listed here, particularly you know, the, the problem is going to be jet lag. After yeah. getting there that early when you're only two days acclimated from the East Coast is going to be a dicey proposition. Now, on the upside, there is apparently a Dunkin' Donuts that has opened. Oh, thank God. Yes, I know. I, it's right across the street from uh, from where we're staying. <laughs> East Coast people, you may not realize this, especially if, like us, you frequently don't leave your state. Uh- <laughs> yeah, it's Dunkin' Donuts is everything in Boston. <laughs> And some of you may question why, and to that I say, fuck you. And <laughs> Hey, you can like your Starbucks all day long. To me, it's just hairy and tastes kind of burnt. Or your Krispy Kreme or whatever. Krispy but Kreme coffee is death. It's absolutely awful. McDonald's has gotten better. I'll, I'll concede that. It has, but if you're from New England, let alone Boston, Dunkin' Donuts coffee is the only thing that keeps you alive in the morning. Yes. They sell it for retail purpose. That's what we brew in our own home. 
<laughs> and for years we've gone yeah. to San Diego and it's, oh God, okay, sure, Starbucks, and it, it's okay. And I switched to tea at that point because I'm not drinking that fucking hairy-ass excuse for coffee that Starbucks wants to shove down my throat. I'm not doing it. It may stand up to you know caramel or whatever fucking fruit flavor they're sticking, unicorn fucking dingleberries. I don't know what they're putting in there these days. But <laughs> all I know is if it's not Dunkin' Donuts, you get that shit the fuck away from me. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Starbucks <laughs> and Lord Hobo Brewing Company. <laughs> so with Dunkin' Donuts available, we may be able to screw together the energy to, to get there. It, it might be dicey on the, the first day. We'll, we'll see how it goes. A more likely one later on in the morning, 11.30 a.m. in room eight, spotlight on Gail Simone, yes. which could be interesting. Uh, the spotlight panels, uh, if you've never been to San Diego, but they're pretty consistent at every convention with programming is, yeah, it's, she's not pitching anything in particular. It's just talking about things she has coming up, yeah. other work she's done, makes herself available to answer questions, which is cool. No, and, and she gives a good talk. She's got a, a fairly in-depth comic knowledge to begin with and a lot of her projects lately are really interesting the crosswind which is this whole freaky friday what if i was a housewife that woke up in an assassin's body one day yeah which sounds <laughs> sounds a lot actually like a long kiss good night kind of um <laughs> i've got one long kiss good night yes i'm a mormon that's why i just smoked a pack of newport and drank three vodka times <laughs> Which has nothing to do with the conversation, but it's from that movie. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and, and Clean Room, which I'm, I'm trying to catch up on. I'm getting the trades from my local comic book guy. Uh, just a lot of really <laughs> interesting things. So I, I would be interested in that, and I might be functional enough to get to that one. Yeah, and it does specifically say here she's going to talk about Crosswind. To me, this is going to be kind of the bellwether, the finger in the air, because if San Diego Batgirl is going to show up, oh God. that's going to be the first sighting. No. So <laughs> it's cheap. Definitely got a reaction uh, from DC Comics and one that was generally probably positive for the industry in 2011. Having been at all of those DC panels, man, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> Which is okay, I guess. But uh, <laughs> see her in line and go, oh, and things would pucker. It was, it was difficult. <laughs> difficult to witness. Things, things would pucker. That was the Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, with Starbucks, I usually have the opposite reaction. It's, get <laughs> out of me! <laughs> Uh, let's see what else. Twelve thirty uh, in room four. I definitely want to go to this. Paul Levitt's in conversation with Karen Berger. Okay. So yeah, uh, the v former Vertigo editor uh, with Paul Levitz, who was the publisher of DC Comics around the same time, talking about yeah, the just telling stories apparently uh, and trying to predict where comics may go. And yeah, as a guy who read nothing but Vertigo comics in the late nineties, I would like to hear some stories yes. about that. Tell me a story. Yeah. And I'd like to know exactly what the fuck went wrong <laughs> to the point where they had to hire the Gork from my chemical romance to get his own line of what are Vertigo comics, but not under Vertigo's imprint. Yeah. But the problem is this one is opposite uh, at 1 PM in the Marriott because the convention has sort of started to spread to other venues around the downtown, not just the convention center. That's the Unlocking Arkham Forensic Psychiatry Ooh. and Batman's Rogues Gallery. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I want to see that one. We went to a similar one a couple of years ago and it was really entertaining because they get, yeah, like psychiatrists and psychologists to talk about Batman's villains and what might really be hmm. wrong with them. Uh, <laughs> in this case, it's also got Tom King who's writing yeah. Batman. But yeah, they've also got, yeah, it looks like a, a couple of uh, psychiatrists to, yeah, talk about the disorders that. According to the copy, plague the Dark Knight's Rose Gallery, uh, offering behavioral analyses of 
the Joker, Harley Quinn, Two-Face, the Riddler, and other Bat villains. It's good that they're getting professionals, because if it was me, Amanda, what's wrong with the Riddler? His shit's fucked up. <laughs> Why, thank you, doctor. Oh, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> what's wrong with Killer Croc? I think he needs a facial, and his shit's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's, what's wrong with the Penguin? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> and his shit's fucked up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this is not a panel that uh, we can even cover. It's just, this is the kind of thing that's fun about Comic-Con. You get stuff like this. Just it's uh, That seems like an interesting topic. Yeah. There's no news to it. It's just kind of cool. Plus, it's going to be your first chance to ask Tom King exactly, particularly in a psychiatric sense, why he feels compelled to make Batman so fucking emo and depressed. Maybe. There you go. Maybe. That could be newsworthy. <laughs> you Tom, could, you Tom, could be this year's San Diego Batgirl. Tom Ex- King. Hi. Uh, Amanda, Crisis on Infinite Midlives. Why is Batman emo and his shit's fucked up? <laughs> I think that's the clinical term. Yeah, you, you'll start getting press from other... <laughs> in the vein of San Diego Batgirl, a Bostonian <laughs> weaving around with a cup of obviously liquor-smelling Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I'll have to start playing up the, the Boston accent that I don't have. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to start faking that. I don't know why neither of us has it. Well, I mean, I didn't move here until I was about 12, but... I, you have no excuse to not. Sound yeah, I like. really don't. My my dad would go days without sleep, um, just to drop an R. Like, it, <laughs> did you know that the word horse has an R in the middle of it? I didn't. <laughs> not until I was eighteen and I went off to college. <laughs> yeah. So, horse, course, uh, worse, all words that have R in the middle of them. <laughs> I had no idea, and that's one to grow on. <laughs> Command everybody. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, why I somehow managed to escape having a Boston accent. There you go. All right. So yeah, we'll have to practice it. Practice it to make more of an impact. Clearly, I should not uh, at the convention drink fine. Lord Hobo Brewing Company. You won't be able to find it out there. You're just going to find like really weird weed smelling fucking IPA. Uh, all right. Uh, somehow I'll make do. I always do. But yeah, man, this stuff's tell, liquid dynamite. Tell Jesus. me about that double IPA you're drinking. Well, it's it's wicked dank. <laughs> Here, I'm starting at wicked. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about that double IPA. Shut up! <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> Think about it, me so bitch to fight you right now. Somebody needs some fine Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> All right. So yes, after that, at two o'clock, room six de. Uh, yeah, six de uh, is DC's Meet the Publishers. So it's Dan DiDio and Jim Lee uh, just sort of talking about what's going on. Now, for a couple of years, Dan DiDio had a Sunday panel at yes. San Diego where it was just – it was people it – was, it was not about DC or Marvel. It was just a bunch of people, and everybody just talked about why they love comics. And it was bar none my favorite panel of any Comic-Con that I have ever attended. He did it for like two years, and then it stopped. And this is as close as it gets. Yeah. And it's still far more corporate and about what's going on, but he does take questions. And no matter what you think about Dan DiDio, he's an entertaining speaker at conventions. This is true. He's enthusiastic and engages with people. I would I would recommend it. If you were going to a convention and Dan DiDio is going to be speaking, regardless of how you feel about whatever direction DC is going in at the time, it is worth your while to listen to him speak. Yes. Yeah, he's absolutely fun to watch. In this kind of context. Yes. This panel is as close as it gets to that old one. It's still way corporate at this point. It is. But I'll take what I can get. But it's balanced by the fact that the other DC panels will have their 
artists and writers at them, whereas the other Marvel panels that will have only editors and publishers will not have writers. Yeah, they're always loaded with, yeah, it's editors. Yeah. They'll have one or two creators. They may get somebody on the phone, but since it's editors, you get mostly hype. Yeah. And since they work that much closer to corporate, they're going to hew to the company line. And particularly for Marvel with the mess they're in right now, man, that's going to be difficult to watch and, and there's only so many panels where you can watch them like out there like make mine marvel while they're like rubbing their nipples like it's just <laughs> i i can't <laughs> after a certain point i want to be able to actually ask the actual writer the question and not the editor who's gonna be like well our long-term vision is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it all depends on who's rubbing like, their nipples or, really or, you know, why, why are you complaining? How many people out there, as they take it away, take focus away from you, not that this ever happened to me, are excited about, insert tentpole event here for the 800th time this year? <laughs> well, the one thing I noticed about almost all the Marvel panels, uh, Nick Lowe, who used to be at DC, <laughs> is now at Marvel. Oh, really? Which means Nick Lowe will be there. Rubbing his nipples? No, but saying <laughs> things like... That's Nick Lowe. Why from, are you doing this to me? From, from C2E2 a couple of years ago. And I only keep it on there because, number one, it's ridiculous. But it, 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 to Amanda, it's like nails on a chalkboard. So, so, so yeah, there, there may be plenty of sound clips that we come back. Because we'll probably do a wrap-up show with some show audio uh, after the convention. We're not going to be able to do it for any of the shows we do from the convention. Honestly, those are going to be live to tape probably half an hour long and basically immediately turned around and just put on the internet. <laughs> so there will be no sound effect. It's going to be on our mobile rig. But, yes. But yeah, when we do the wrap-up show with some audio, there will be things like... Because Nick Lowe is in all these fucking Marvel panels. It's not fair. You know, I'm getting sober. <laughs> <laughs> you want this fine Berkshire Brewing No, no. You, you can't have my Lord Obo. No. 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 Lord Obo is a good superhero name. <laughs> Yes, 3 p.m. Thursday, room 6A. This is one I definitely want to go to. Robert Kirkman in conversation. Uh, it's With? Just him, apparently. Oh, just in conversation. Like, to himself, okay. Yeah, he's just screaming in a mirror. <laughs> Why are you so stupid? What? <laughs> the wolf man? What the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just read the copy. Robert Kirkman, the creative mind behind The Walking Dead and everything else you know Robert Kirkman did. I didn't want to read the whole thing. You're uh, a handsome devil. And you know what? Negan was a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, he was. You're an awesome guy. You should be very thankful for it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and th- that lump isn't cancer. <laughs> but Where are my pants? We've talked about this before. Our first Comic-Con in 2006, we went to the Spotlight on Robert Kirkman panel, and Walking Dead was still really pretty new at that point. Yeah. It might have just gone into its second year. But yeah, it was it was in one of the smaller rooms, you picture now the Walking Dead panel is in Hall H. This is just sort of in a small room. It wasn't even quite full. And when Kirkman showed up, he'd brought a deck of cards because he said he was convinced that nobody would fucking show up. Yeah. And that panel was a blast. Another guy who's just entertaining and funny at panels. You know, if you can see Robert Kirkman either in something where it's just him or where he's moderating, that yeah, that's going to be a good time. Now, this one probably be a little bit harder to get into. Room 6A yeah. is one of the bigger rooms, but still... Um, I'm hoping we can get into that one because that'll be... Then again, if we can't, 15 minutes later, 3.15 in room 6DE is uh, DC Jeff Johns. Okay. 
Jeff Johns is also a, a good one to hear speak if you haven't had a chance to see him live. Yeah, he's enthusiastic. Uh, nobody's ever going to put him on stage at Stand Up New York no. uh, or the Laugh Factory, but no. the, he's enthusiastic. He knows what he's talking about. In this one, it says he's going to be talking about uh, the Doomsday Clock. Uh, yeah, the general excellence of DC Rebirth is probably the only thing that'll prevent me from stabbing him in the eye with my fucking comedian <laughs> from 1986. But uh, yeah, it, he does give a good panel. So even if I'm going to berate him for Watchmen mm. or his inexplicable vibe and Aquaman problem. I might, I might you know, get in line to ask him uh, what I think is a pressing question, which is, does Dr. Manhattan prefer Cracklin Oatbran or Lucky Charms? <laughs> Jeff Johns does have a thing for breakfast cereal. <laughs> uh, mine will be, how will uh, Mr. Johns, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller... Uh, <laughs> How, how can you reconcile uh, the fact that the comedian, his badge was buried with him at his funeral, and yet <laughs> somehow his pin shows up not only in Batman's Batcave, but with D's. Mm. D's nuts! <laughs> I'm 12. I'm 12 in 2012. Uh, Mr. Johns, uh, hi. Uh <laughs> Long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, Amanda from Crisis on, Crisis on Infinite Midlives. So if uh, Silk Spectre was a slushy flavor, uh, she would be lemonade or... <laughs> will, will the doomsday clock be... For $10, all-you-can-eat testicle face. Oh, that's just a yes. That's just a yes. Well, Blue Wang. Blue Wang. <laughs> I got problems. If Night Owl was going to get a Stouffer's TV dinner from the frozen case at the local 7-Eleven, it would be meatloaf for mac and cheese. <laughs> or is he a lasagna guy? I, I think more accurate would, accurately would be, did you have any creative reason to bring Watchmen <laughs> to the DC universe? <laughs> or were you purely going... <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> go me. Go you. Either way, he puts on an entertaining panel. I am probably not going to like the answers to some of the questions, but what the hell. And if we miss that, <laughs> we, we have our first Nick Lowe panel. <laughs> oh, God, Amanda's face just squinched up like I gave her a spoonful of citric acid. Excuse me. Oh, good beer. Good beer. I'm sorry about the Stouffer's question. <laughs> 4 p.m., room 5AB, Marvel the Next Big Thing. Uh, yeah, it's a preview of what the rest of the year holds in store for the Marvel Heroes, the upcoming Generation Weekly series. This one's going to have uh, Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonso, uh, Nick Lowe, a bunch of other people. Yeah, one one creator, Cullen Bunn, will be there. Oh. So <laughs> I, I will say Marvel panels are never as entertaining as DC panels, no matter what you think about Marvel or DC. That said... The pure entertainment value of seeing these guys defend Secret Empire is going to be a hard thing to well, beat at this year's convention. Especially when these things happen and it's like they have to defend this indefensible, awful event that's been dragging out for friggin' months without the actual writer there to, to stand his ground and, and defend it beyond like saying shit on Twitter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's editorial hype. You get hype at Marvel panels. 
you certainly get hype at DC panels. Dan DiDio is nothing if not a consummate hype man. Yeah. He gets you excited. That's what Marvel tries to do. None of them are as good, including Joe Quesada, as Dan DiDio, period. All right. You know, if they're going to do hype, this, this is what I want. I want you to get in line, and I want you to ask Nick Lowe to say Hail Hydra. <laughs> and you'll be you'll be with a digital recorder. I will. <laughs> but do it sing-songy. Hail Hydra. It's your birthday. Go, go, Hail Hydra. It's a, I've, I've done the math on this one, and the over-under on the number of times Axel Alonso denies that Hydra is Nazis is three. <laughs> that is the official line. Is that the Vegas line? That's the, well, that's the crisis line. Okay. <laughs> See, crisis on infinite midlife. So I can't get Vegas to chime in on this, so I'm just setting my own numbers. Okay. Three is the betting line. <laughs> and the number shall be three. Yeah. And the weird thing is, Thursday is never the biggest day of the convention. There's programming until 10 o'clock, but... There's that's pretty much everything that I thought we would be interested in for the Thursday programming. You know, plus realistically, and this is gonna apply to all the other days, I have panels here listed, yeah, all the way into the night. Anything after five, maybe six o'clock, really cuts into beer o'clock. Yeah. And it becomes very dicey. There are certain things that we force ourselves to get to. Particularly for Thursday, I think that Marvel panel, assuming we can even get to yeah. it, is pretty much the end of the line. Well, it, it it becomes you know tricky because again, being that we're coming from the East Coast, jet lag starts to play play a factor. So, what you think is relatively early over there is late for over here. Yeah, it still feels like two o'clock in the morning, and then there's the obvious problem: I'm an alcoholic. I can only yeah, do so and, much. And San Diego has a vibrant fucking happy hour scene. <laughs> oh my god, totally. <laughs> I mean, the one big open, and it's funny how it's mutated over the years. I think the first one was in 2007. Boom Studios mm. puts on an open to fans uh, drink up. Yeah. Uh, which I think they started 2007 to 2008 at the Hyatt Bar, which is a bar that is far too classy for us. Like 40 foot ceilings and murals painted on the walls. We go there at least once a year and every year I'm like, this is the year they're just going to fucking bums rush us out of the place. We do not belong in this place. And we went to the first one and we're like, are we in the right fucking place? There was, we, we, we geographically went to the first one. We did not actually introduce ourselves to anyone or sit at the one table that seemed to contain the talent. (laughs) Well, and, and that's the thing. There were very few creators that I can recognize by sight, yeah. particularly for the indie ones. I, I could have picked out Keith Giffen, yep. uh, who I think at the time was writing Tag for Boom. Okay. Uh, and I could have picked out John Rogers because he used to be a Boston comedian, even though uh, he and we have never met. Right. We've interacted occasionally. We've got some friends in common, and I'd love to actually meet him face to face. At the time, yeah, he's just a guy who wrote a couple of movies that uh, most of them didn't get produced, uh, and one of them that was was Catwoman. So it was not exactly hard to get to him. <laughs> now he's showrun Leverage, and he did librarians the, did the librarians for a while, and he did the pilot for Global Frequency. So you know now he's a big name, and it might be hard to get to him, even if it's oh uh, yeah, we know this guy in common. Uh, <laughs> I, I read your first draft Mage script. <laughs> that was awesome, but. <laughs> So yeah, it was it was dead empty, and yeah, we we were like, okay, we don't recognize anybody. We're just gonna leave. Yeah, like, I'm gonna go over there and be like, hi, you guys said it was an open meetup. We're <laughs> yeah. totally not stalkers. Yeah, <laughs> it was. 
but they've been doing it ever since then. And when we were there last in 2014, it was in the hotel that we were in. Yes. And we went by it, and it was a goddamn zoo, zoo. with music going on. It's like, oh, I don't think I want to go in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't care. And it may have been that they were, like, again, contained to one small table in the back, but the music is just... <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was clearly a zoo. And yeah, that kind of party, I don't care if the theme is Supergirl blows Rob from Crisis on Infinite Midlives. I'm not going to go to that party. I like again, to I have questions. <laughs> I just want to go and quietly drink. That's all I want. So is is it Supergirl who is the draw for that for you, or specifically Melissa Benoist? <laughs> it's just a joke. Sometimes a joke, a joke is just a joke. A banana is just a banana. <laughs> I just want to know how I can be better. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't possibly be. Let's remember, <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Next, Amanda asks Rob if he th- thinks this makes her look fat. <laughs> And Rob thinks, oh, I wish I was dead. (laughs) All right. So should we move on to Friday? As the show that was going to be shorter is already 45 minutes in. We've only covered one day of Comic-Con. Friday, the first thing I think you would be interested in, it still butts up against that 10 a.m. Jesus, Mm. can we even function? 10 a.m. room 29AB spotlight on Marjorie Liu, who Mm. writes uh, Monstrous. Monstrous. Yeah, that's more your thing. I still haven't read Monstrous. You've spoken mm-hmm. highly of it. Got you have, to read it. You have left the first trade in a very easy-to-find position. I just haven't gotten to it yet, although I think she did the Han Solo miniseries, yes. which I really enjoyed. So I can be on board to getting to that one if we think we can get our She's drunken, bloated carcasses. X-23 back when it was X-23 and not the all-new Wolverine. See, which I did not read that, uh, which now I feel bad about because I've really been digging all-new Wolverine. <laughs> Uh, so that's a possibility. Uh, if that doesn't work out, there's a lot of stuff butting up against each other. That's one thing Comic-Con does well. Yes. Not well for us uh, <laughs> and not well for anybody who enjoys comics. They are very good at scheduling things that people might be interested in opposite each other. It's, I think, becoming better now because even the comic panels, if the last time we were there is any guide, filled up really quickly. Yeah, and that's why it's smart to hit them against each other as into mortal human hand-to-hand <laughs> combat because it forces people to choose. So whereas if, oh, we had this giant DC panel at noon and this next giant Marvel panel at one, you get mobs at each. You yeah. make them fight against each other. You split the crowd and make it more like, it forces you to choose as a convention goer, but it makes the crowd a little more manageable. Yeah. These guys have been doing this for a long time. They're really good at it. And as frustrating as it is, I mean, I got four panels here, all of which I would like to see. The timing means we'll be able to get to maybe two of them. Yeah. Assuming we can get into any of them. Because you have one of them here. This one I think we can probably get into. This is just one of them. Again, it's not something you can really, it's in the vein of the, let's psychoanalyze (laughs) Batman's villains. Mm. It's one of the, sort of history of comics that I'd like to get into sometimes. It's a 10.30 a.m. room, 26 A.B., lassoing the truth, Marston versus Wortham in the Wonder Woman War. Mm. Uh, And the theory behind it is, yes, this psychologist, William Moulton Marston, created Wonder Woman. At the same time, you have this other psychiatrist saying that comic books are the enemy and each one had their own viewpoint and tried to twist things in order to get the upper hand on it, which is not a thing that ever would have occurred to me. Yeah, and it's a a panel full of experts. You've got Phil Jimenez, who's written Wonder Woman, various other comics writers, and yeah, one of the Marston family, uh, Charlie Marston. I don't know where he fits into that. Talking about, uh, yeah, how Wonder Woman versus 
the the war on comics really and I get a kick out of comics history things like that. Uh, I think the last time we went to Comic-Con there was one about Bill Finger's mm-hmm. contributions to creating Batman. Yeah. And between that panel and the Jim Steranko panel where he gave the 10 minute story oh. on bitch slapping Bob Kane, oh. which it, is on our YouTube yes. channel, you should go look yes. for it. You should link it if you remember in the, in the show notes. It, if, I, <laughs> if I forget, go to crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We have a link toward the top of the page to our YouTube channel. Go see it. It's a glorious story. It really is. And uh, yeah, it's between those two, I really <laughs> finally, after 46 years of reading comic books, learned what a piece of human garbage Bob Kane kind of was. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. But then again, at 1030 in room 24 ABC, we've got the Spider-Man and his amazing friends panel, not about the cartoon, about what's coming up with Spider-Man in Marvel. And that's got uh, Axel Alonso and also Cullen Bunn. I think he's going to be the token creator that they bring to all the- <laughs> Mr. Bunn, I, I have a question. I have a question. Um, <laughs> so uh, as we head into um, all new, all different Marvel and uh, Marvel Legacy, tell me where Ms. Lyon fits in uh, the current continuity and why we are not seeing more of her. And this is my Cullen Bunn impression. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But once again, it's, yeah, we've got a token creator. Yes, he's working on Venomverse, so he deserves to be there, but we got no Dan Slott, no Chip Zdarsky. Uh, It's editor heavy again. And this time, the over-under on the number of times Axel Alonso is forced to reconcile Marvel being the world outside your window Mm. while Peter Parker is a fucking billionaire, over-under is two. He's going to have to justify it at least twice. At least twice. Yes, that's my decision. Okay. So... Being a Spider-Man fan, I would like to go to that one, even though it's opposite the Wonder Woman one. But then again, at 11.15, which means it butts up against both of those, in room 6DE, we've got DC Universe Rebirth. Mm. Now, this is, the panel has a terrible description. It just describes, uh, hey, the universe has been restored with optimism and engaging storylines. Yeah, that's true, but it doesn't list anybody who's going to be there. doesn't list if there's any major subjects beyond, yay, Rebirth, people like DC again. But then again, it's up against a Marvel panel. DC panels, even if you don't know what they are, are usually more entertaining than Marvel panels. But Yeah, I, I mean, the DC Rebirth panel could be entirely Jeff Johns being like, all right, tell me why we're awesome. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but you don't generally get that no, in you DC don't. panels. You, so. you get that at Marvel panels. Yeah. So as much as I kind of want to see Marvel squirm, I really want to see Marvel squirm because I wanted to be like, okay, shit, we fucked up and we need to start doing stuff. And it feels like they're beginning to. I don't know. Because I, I think that they're going to try to duck it and spin it towards let's talk about well, we're, why we're awesome. Because you wouldn't be here if you didn't think we were awesome, right? Why would you be here as a hater? <laughs> and, and I guess they could make it that simple. We've seen them make it that simple before. And it's kind of tough for me to say, yeah, I want to see him squirm when I was at the DC panels in 2011 and San Diego Batgirl made him fucking squirm. Made me squirm too. Because the the it, difference, I suppose the only difference there is I'm like, all right, DC's trying something new and I like DC, so I hope it works out. Because the Spider-Man panel turns into, okay, Mr. Alonso, can you please justify why uh, why you still think that Marvel is the world outside your window and Peter Parker is a billionaire? Who here is excited that Peter's finally no longer, you know, bad luck Parker, huh? Huh? <laughs> And, and even with it, even with that, we know full well. We, we know from watching comics news recently that that's going to go by the wayside. Yeah, Parker Industries will will go the way of Superior Spider Man, and thank God, <laughs> I want my Peter Parker back. So yeah, that's four panels, 
all of which butt up against each other and we'll probably be able to get to two. So if you're listening and you got a preference, uh, let us know because we don't <laughs> fucking know right now. Uh, then we get to noon and all noon panels are a crapshoot because, yeah, you got to eat. Yes. If anything slides, this one was purely because it's got Joel Jones in it. It's uh, in room 23 ABC, artists who write the art and craft of comics. It's Joel Jones and Adam Warren. Hmm. Uh, and it's just, yeah, being artists writing their own stuff, talking about how they put their stories together. And because Lady Killer kicks so much ass, I it put does. that down. And I like Joel Jones's art. Yes. So that's sort of on the list. However, However, at 12.30, oh God. so meaning we got to pick one, <laughs> and if there's going to be a Marvel one where the shit hits the fan, this going to be it. 12.30 Friday, room 5AB, Marvel Secret Empire. <laughs> this one, they stacked the deck, and you can just tell by who they put in it. Okay, who'd they put in it? It's Mark Wade. Nobody doesn't like Mark Wade. Period. Oh, okay. Humberto Ramos. Okay. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg, who I guess is part of Secret Warriors, which is not a book I've been reading, along with Hydra Double Agents and Editors Extraordinaire. Wonder which editors. Superman. Oh yeah, Niccolo. Yeah, he's gonna be there. Why do you hate <laughs> me today? <laughs> I don't. It's just his name keeps showing up. That I got it right here on the board. It's not my fault. I swear to God. <laughs> don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Mary, and don't look at it, no matter what happens. I mean, if anybody's everybody's screaming about this, I can't imagine they're going to be able to stack the mic with people who like Secret Empire, because after four people get in line, they're out of questions. Yeah, I I guess it would depend on whether or not people actually bring tough questions, not asshole questions. And I'm not encouraging people to go to these and 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 be that guy in line. <laughs> no, but because it does make people uncomfortable. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that it's not unreasonable if you have valid questions about the direction a story is taking, particularly if you can articulate it well and back it up and avoid saying things like, you fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's worthwhile to use those panels to, to try to engage the, the individuals involved in a dialogue. Yeah, look, these are town hall meetings, like in government. Yes. Editors and creators are showing up to hear what people want. Now, it's slightly different because ultimately what you want comes down to where did the money go? What <laughs> did you buy? And that's sort of been a problem for me. As a comics reader, I'd have stopped reading Secret Empire at issue one. Yes. As somebody who co-hosts a comics podcast... It makes good radio, so I keep buying it. Yes. So I'm not exactly voting with my dollar, but I can vote with the microphone, so I guess it evens out. But at least it's a chance to sort of show, yeah, what you're doing is not what we want. You don't have to be a cock about it. Right. You don't have to monopolize things, but you can bring it up. And I, that's why I think they're stacking the deck with Mark Wade. I can't think of anybody who doesn't like Mark Wade. Mark Wade's Marvel comics are still excellent. But still, the over-under on Mark Wade having to say, at least the champions are acting like fucking superheroes. They might be the only ones in Secret Empire, but at least they're acting <laughs> like, is one. I'm guessing he does it once at least. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if there's going to be arguments with creators from, from the crowd, it's going to be at this panel. And <laughs> if you had told me a year ago that Marvel would do something to get fans more jacked and riled up than DC's Watchmen shit, I'd have laughed in your fucking face. Somewhere Jeff Johns is like, I don't think my panel's going to be that bad because Marvel's next big thing is over there, and that's where the screaming's going to happen. Guys, guys, as we, we tune into the, the last Marvel retreat, 
What can we do to to get our fans possibly more riled up so that we can get more publicity than um, the Watchmen showing up in Rebirth? Wait, I know. Hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think we have to go to that one. I think no matter what, we need to be at that because we can get good audio out of it. Yes. Uh, After that, at 1.30, Room 8, Jack Kirby, Friends and Family. Uh, Apparently, it would have been Kirby's 100th birthday uh, this year. So there's a ton of Kirby panels. I just put this one sort of as an example. There's a lot we can go to. But yeah, this is uh, family members and friends uh, just talking about him. Uh, hosted Mike by uh, Mark uh, Evanier. What kind of parents would name their kid that? I never know how to pronounce his name. He's a giant in comics and comics history, and I can't pronounce his name. But uh, So yeah, it's another comics history panel that might be fun and informative. The ironic thing is what panel is it right after? Yeah, Stan Lee and Friends in one of the bigger rooms. I didn't list that here because I, I can't imagine that panel's actually going to happen with Stan having lost his wife last week. Yeah. I, oh. I can't imagine him doing it. I mean, the, the man is a professional, and God knows he's a showman, but uh, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Mm. So, as I bring the show to a screeching halt, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, opposite Jack Kirby. Uh, and this one, I'm not sure if I want to go to one or the other uh, more. Uh, 145, room 6DE, we've got DC's Dark Knight's Metal mm. and Dark Matter, uh, which is going to be Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo okay. uh, talking about it, along with Steve Orlando, who I've never seen at a convention, but I really like his stuff, so yeah. I'd like to. Uh, Philip Tan, James Tinney and the Fourth, Robert Venditti. So it's a lot of good creators at that one. And Scott Snyder also puts on an entertaining panel. He does. It was uh, us accidentally sitting in on his American Vampire panel because we wanted to see whatever DC panel was on after that. Yes. So we went to that to make sure we could get a seat. And that really in particular convinced you to give that book a try because I read the first couple issues and didn't like it. Yeah, well, because that one had the the hook of, oh, Stephen King is going to be involved in the first arc. And then it was sort of, in your opinion, meh. Yeah, I've read almost every Stephen King novel, and I'm really not sure the man should write comic books. <laughs> His son, Joe Hill, should write more comic books. You hear us, Joe? Joe? Yeah, yeah but, but Steve, look, man, <laughs> I love comics too. I shouldn't write them either. <laughs> the other thing is I'm not particularly sold on Dark metal? Knight yeah. and metal. Yeah, based on, uh, what was it, The Forge was the first issue yeah. two or three weeks ago. It was okay. We've got the casting coming out soon, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's next week, maybe. Either way, it's, I'm willing to be sold on it, but I really I need to be sold because I was not fully on board with the first one. Yeah. So. But then, yeah, uh, here's the problem at 2.45. And yes, Hall H, Twin Peaks, a damn good panel mm. uh, with, uh, I'm trying to uh, read the copy here. Actually, I'm not even sure who's in this one. Uh, it's about Twin Peaks. It sort of indicates Kyle MacLachlan might be there, but I'm not sure if David Lynch will be there. So they'll be, they'll be. It says uh, the cast and creators. Cast and creators. So, so people who are are sort of peaks around and adjacent. <laughs> yes. Now I've I've literally had no less than two friends who are also Twin Peaks fans all but demand <laughs> that I go to this panel. The problem is I fucking hate Hall H for all the reasons I've already discussed. To guarantee I get into that, I'd have to line up early and basically get there at 10 a.m. for the first panel. Would you have to sit through a Pokemon panel? No, but I'd have to sit through a Big Bang Theory panel, and I'm not sure that God hates me enough or that I'm willing to sit through it. Other than that, the thing is going to be packed because the other panels that day are Fear the Walking Dead, Mm. The Walking Dead, and uh, what was the other? Game Game of of Thrones. Thrones. 
So it's not like the room is going to empty out after any of those except maybe Big Bang Theory. So, so after sitting through an hour of the Big Bang Theory cast justifying their existence, the rest of the day picks up, but then you're going to probably have to make sure that you're wearing Depends. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm down for that. Yeah, it's a, I don't even remember if there's, I know there's water coolers in there, mm. so there better be restrooms without <laughs> having to give up your seat. So yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure I can do it. Now, that said, we've told this story before when Watchmen was coming out uh, in the 2008 Comic-Con, we just happened to be walking and there was clearly an inexperienced line handler who had allowed a large gap to form in the line to give us plausible deniability to jump in. Enough plausible deniability so that if anybody had said, hey, you're cutting in line, we could have said, oh, I'm sorry, and turned and left. Yeah, that, that shit doesn't fly now because there's wristbands. It's, it's like an event. <laughs> you have to get a wristband so that you have uh, the ability to get in line to go to whatever. Which is fucking crazy. I was yeah. going to say, I'm willing, if we don't get into any of those early panels, to walk by and see if there's some kind of grift in the system. And, and the wristband is so you don't, in theory, have to stand in line all day or camp out. It's you get the wristband and then you come back. I'm not even sure if they're still doing that. They were starting that in 2013, I think 2014, and there was the whole scandal of people were just handing out wristbands to their buddies. Yeah. Like people from the convention were doing it, and it was a whole uproar. So I don't know if that's even still going on, because I paid no attention because fuck Hall H. Fuck Hall H. It's a fucking stupid place to spend your time. We'll find out. We're probably not getting into the Twin Peaks panel. It's okay. Showtime will probably put it on fucking YouTube by yeah. Saturday night. Besides, at three o'clock, and I'd rather go to this. Uh, I say rather. I totally want to go to this. If Twin Peaks weren't Twin Peaks and this thing that I've loved since I was 18 years old, it would be no contest. Dave Gibbons in room four. Dave Gibbons in conversation. Ooh. Number one, part of the theory behind it is they're coming out with a Rogue Trooper video game. Uh, Rogue Trooper was a character from 2000 AD, and I've got the first volume of Rogue Trooper, and I haven't oh. read it for a while. As I recall, I liked it well enough. But dude, it's the co-creator of Watchmen, <laughs> and I probably won't have to stake out a fucking seat in room four for seven hours to yeah. see him. Besides, right after that in room four, IDW's panel uh, oh. about what's coming out in the fall. Okay. The, That's one of the outer corridor rooms. Uh Yeah. So it shouldn't be terrible, and particularly once we're in there, we should be all right for it. But but yeah, it's just the uh, chief creative officer, Chris Ryall, and the group editors talking about you know things that are coming out. Now, IDW, it's kind of hit and miss. What they do well is really good. I mean, IDW did Lock and Key. Mm. You know, do I need G.I. Joe comics at 46 years old? Eh. Do you not need G.I. Joe comics I mean, at 46 I'm not, years old? If somebody put one in my hands, I wouldn't turn it down, but I didn't read G.I. Joe comics when I was playing with G.I. Joe toys. What about G.I. Joe versus My Little Pony? I mean, I would watch that all day long. <laughs> versus My Little Pony versus Micronauts. Take my money. <laughs> uh, look, at Boston Comic Con a couple of years ago, Chris Ryall yeah. was totally willing to shoot the shit with me, who was a total fucking stranger, about Burke Breathed and whether IDW was going to come out and do anything with the... At the time, Breathed had just started doing the new Bloom County cartoons in Facebook. Right. So clearly there was no official announcement, but he's like, yeah, dude, we're totally going to reprint those. Yeah, just watch for it. And I'll give his panels a try. He's a nice dude. Yeah. <laughs> he was willing to have a conversation and, uh, about and he things was, he probably shouldn't have talked about. Well, no, and, and at the panel that year, that's where this whole like you know shared Hasbro, I think it's Hasbro universe. Yeah, yeah, G.I. <laughs> Joe, uh, yeah. 
So you know, Joe Hill was the one that was joking with him about, you know, G.I. Joe versus uh, My Little Pony. and <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Shit. <laughs> so I can't totally take credit for that. Um, I, I can't take credit for that at all. But um, I'm still waiting is what I'm saying, Chris Ryle. <laughs> all right. Then by God, we'll go ask him after we miss the Twin Peaks panel <laughs> and go see Dave Gibbons for Christ's sake. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Just the Joes versus the Ponies on, on a bloody battlefield with Gem and the Misfits playing in the background. <laughs> Gem and the Holograms. Right. There's, well, the see, Misfits there's jo- are a real band. No, they are, but there's there's a, a um, Gem and the Holograms versus, uh, and the Misfits, I think, in a crossover that's coming out. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. I, I, I quit comics. The show's over. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's a market for anything. <laughs> Chris Sabella's writing Vampirella Kiss right now. Love oh Chris Sabella's book, but I don't love Kiss or Vampirella. It'll be that worth it if, my if it'll be worth it if Vampirella kills Kiss. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Just like puts their heads on like the ramparts. <laughs> you know, walks you will, away. <laughs> you will no longer be partying every day <laughs> or ever. <laughs> uh, all right. What else we have? Five thirty. Uh, this one I'll want to go to and you won't. Uh, in room AB, uh, DC's Young Animal. Yeah, now, that's all you. Uh, look, by 5.30, we're probably going to need food and you don't like any of the Young Animal books. No. I generally like Shade the Changing Girl and Cave Carson. So yeah, if we're there and not starving and, and we're bored, uh, I would like to go to this one. Uh, actually, then again, because I, I just saw what I put right after it. What's more likely we, we would go to because it's always entertaining same time, 5.30 in room 6DE is Spotlight on J. Michael Straczynski. Yes. Which we've gone to just about every year we've been going to Comic-Con. That's generally a good time. He's also another one who's just a great speaker. Yeah, I've never had a bad time at, at one of his panels. And he, he brooks no bullshit. So if you think you're going to get up there and start some shit or ask a provocative question, he will shut you down. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, he will get combative. Uh, I have heard him ask, answer questions about uh, Sin's past yeah. and Superman <laughs> grounded more than once. Uh, and always defensively, therefore, frankly, always wrong. <laughs> Neither of those are defensible, but he tries. Um, <laughs> but uh, on that one, the over-under on him saying there will be no Babylon 5 because the studio is cheap, number of times he will say that is three. Three. That is the over-under on that one because that's always one of the questions. When's Babylon 5? And that's always the answer. They won't do it right. <laughs> so three times. Now, if that doesn't happen, once we start to get to 6 p.m., it's dicey. Mm. Uh, very. I think we've gone to a few, but not very often. But if we're still there, and for whatever reason we can't get into one of those two, it's six o'clock in room four is Spotlight on Mike Grell. Oh, I know uh, you like his work on Arrow, Green Arrow. Yeah, I got a real soft spot for his 1980s Green Arrow. And I've, I have not read all of John Sable Freelance, but I've mm. got a few volumes of the IDW reprints that came out a few years ago. And the ones I have, I really enjoyed. But the problem is I also have a soft spot for beer. Mm. And by 6 p.m. on Friday, yeah, beer might well win. And I've got a list of restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So that's a maybe. That's all I got for Friday, even though, again, stuff goes on until 10 o'clock. Move on to Saturday. Uh, again, we start at 10 a.m., which is a crapshoot. And again, we got two things that conflict against each other. Comic-Con is genius. It really is. At doing this shit. In room 6DE, DC's Justice for All. Ooh. It's the uh, creative people behind all of the Justice League characters. So we've got Tony Daniel on Justice League, Tom King for Batman, Steve Orlando on Justice League of America, uh, 
various other people on the particular characters they're doing. Uh, Nicholas Scott on Wonder Woman, I guess she's taken over. Joshua Williamson on Flash. No, Nicholas Scott's already she's she's been drawing um, oh. alternately with with Liam Sharp. Okay, with Greg Rucka. Christ, there's so writing. many people doing various things on that book. I can't keep track. <laughs> well, no, and it's one of those things where it's it's they'd done such a great job. Um, separately on on an indie book, Rucka and Scott had been doing Black Magic. And so right. they, they did a, a five issue arc and then went on a hiatus to work on Wonder Woman and finally just came back with issue six like a couple weeks ago. That's right. Because, yeah, I remember you mentioning that. Okay. All right. That's my bad. <laughs> Sorry. I, I got you back on this. I, I've, uh, I'm into my 20th ounce of fine Lord Hobo consolation <laughs> prize. Can you say the alphabet? Fuck you. I'm not driving. <laughs> Yes, it's a maybe because it's being staged opposite not only a different panel but my third day of Comic-Con hangover from mm. drinking, but it's also opposite uh, in room 29AB at 10 o'clock, Skybound Entertainment Comics and Creators. This is a crapshoot because Kirkman is not on this panel, but one of the people who is is Donnie Cates, who's doing Redneck. Oh. And that's a real selling point because you and I both really like that's that a great book. book. So this is a maybe. It's if we happen to be there at ten and early enough to get to a panel, it's totally. I'd say I'd say the DC panel is probably higher on my list. But yes. If it looks like a pain in the ass at all, we turn around and go to Skybound. Although this is the part we we haven't yet. We um we'll want to start looking at um, booth signing schedules because that's a whole separate thing outside of the panels. So if you don't get a chance to go to a panel, sometimes you have the opportunity, and and it's easier in some of the more independent publishers than at say DC or Marvel or even IDW at this point. Um, just yeah. to see you know, who's out and about. Sometimes some of these folks are out on Artist Alley. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you can never tell. I I still have. On one hand, fond memories because I got to meet Judd Winnick and uh, forced him to draw Barry Ween for me in the DC <laughs> booth. But uh, not fond memories because, yeah, since I was the only person in line, he was busy shooting the shit with his buddies. Yeah. While I stood there like an asshole for about five minutes. Yeah. But I got Barry Ween. So, all right, ding, I won at the end. That's the important <laughs> you did. thing. So, yeah, you never know who you can run into. And that's the problem with trying to schedule ahead of time until you get to the floor and can see what's going on and. That's why I really think for preview night, we should, uh, I know there's a commission that you want uh, Mm -hmm. from Sarah Richard, uh, and there's particular books that I want from the 2000 AD booth, uh, because I really need to, it's been a while since I got some Judge Dredd volumes. Yeah. So those things I think we should take care of on preview night, and then figure out what we're going to (laughs) do. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, those signings and everything can really totally, because yeah, Joss Whedon often signs at Dark Horse. Uh, if he's signing and there's a panel you want, you got to take your choice. Right. So yeah, all this is uh, tied up and we also have to eat and uh, get drunk. Yes. And record shows. We may not get to all of these anyway. I've totally derailed the show. That's okay. So what's on after 10? Uh, This one just looked interesting. Uh, It's at 11 o'clock in room 29AB. It's called Who Cleans Up the Mess? (laughs) And it is a political blogger who will show epic comic book battle scenes and they've got at least a couple they've got a san diego city council member uh, an oceanside city council member california state treasurer a member of the california state assembly 
and a mayor of a local town talking about what it would take to actually repair the damage <laughs> from a superhero battle in real life. All right, that's including good. procedures and legislative fallout and cost. That just sounds interesting. I really would like to see that. There's no comic book news in that at all. No, but just But that just sounds fun. Yeah, I think we should go to that. <laughs> so plus it has a San Diego Congress member, <laughs> which means I could ask them whether the Comic-Con board members were kind enough to eat pineapple before they negotiated to extend till 2021 so their semen wouldn't taste so much like oh, bleach. Oh, <laughs> that's That's the joke Jesus. I wrote this afternoon and said, yeah, I just wrote a terrible joke. Oh, man, now I got a shower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, beyond that vileness, yeah, that just, the, that panel looks interesting. Yes. And I'm sure I've missed a few. Uh, that are like that. That's just one that jumped out to me. Yeah, That's sure. the great thing about Comic-Con. There's always just some weird fucking thing you can go see. Yeah, that one I think we should definitely go to. Because, yeah, the weird thing about Saturday is that Saturday at this point is all TV and movies. Mm. So the comic stuff is kind of few and far between. There aren't nearly as many panels to fight in between as there normally are. Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't see anything around that that would get in the way. I don't think we're going to have a problem getting into it. Provided nobody on the panel listens to the show. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, the next thing I got is uh, 1230 in room 24 ABC, Boom Studios. Boom's been kind of hit or miss for me recently, but they've done some decent books over the years. So I'd like to hear what's coming sure. out. There might be something that... Because also the smaller publishers like IDW and Boom and Action Lab don't get a ton of coverage in the comics news site. So they might have some really cool shit coming out that... Yeah. You just don't know about unless you go to the panel. So that might be worth going to. However, also at 1230, and I think there's one other conflict beyond this, Room 6DE, DC's Harley Quinn celebrating 25 years. I would like to see that. Now, I think you're a bigger Harley Quinn fan than I am. Probably. But both Paul Dini and Bruce Tim are at the convention. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that when we get to the Sunday schedule, <laughs> where I'm pretty sure we'll be in a room for about four hours. Uh I'm willing to chance they'll show up and maybe talk about... You would think, given that this is their creation. You would think. You never know. But, <laughs> however, those are both opposite at 1 o'clock in Room 7AB, the official Image Comics panel, with what new is coming out at Image Comics. Okay. Uh, which has Ed Brubaker, uh, Donnie Cates, Cena Grace, Nicholas Scott... Image has really been kind of too good for the last few, few years to ignore this panel. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the panel I think we were at where we're, they announced Saga. Yes. Ugh, that's going to be tough. Well, well, it's all going to be a function of how functional are we on Saturday. <laughs> there have been Saturdays we are not. <laughs> you in particular. Yes. Uh, there, are, <laughs> there are people we shouldn't try to outdrink. Mm. We outdrank them. Mm. Paid a terrible cost. Yeah. <laughs> Ruin, ruined my pedicure, too. Anyway. <laughs> Too much kicking ass. If we can't get into that at 145, although, you know, I'm probably okay with skipping this one. At 145 in room 6DE, DC celebrates Wildstorm's 25th anniversary. Yeah, we can miss that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jim Lee will be there. Uh, Lee Bermeo, I never know how to pronounce his name. What kind of parents would name their kid that? J. Scott Campbell, uh, a variety of others. But yeah, any Wildstorm conversation that doesn't include Warren Ellis. Right. Yeah, my God, between Stormwatch and the Authority and Planetary, to me, that's Wildstorm. I know they did a ton of other stuff. I don't care about Grifter. <laughs> I never don't really you? have. Don't you? 
So, yeah, that one we can probably skip. Uh, let's see. Uh, at 3 o'clock in room 6A, uh, Marvel, Black-Eyed Peas, Master of the Sun. Wait, what? From the mind of Will I Am comes this retro-futuristic B-boy zombie thriller. Yeah, no, I think fusing I Fusing together the unlikeliest of genres with ease. I have to go get a taco then, I think. Masters of the Sun mixes L.A. gang culture, b-boyism, and Egyptology. Yeah, there's an agua fresca with my name on it. To tell it's... the heroic tale of a hip-hop group from East L.A. who must battle an ancient god. Gonna be waiting for me at a takeout counter. That's turning drug dealers and gangsters into zombies. Join Will I Am, Taboo, and Apple Diap. What kind of parents would name their kid that? It's a literally, it's got dots in between it. From the Black Eyed Peas to discuss the well, Masters of the Sun experience. You know, if Fergie can't even be bothered to be there, <laughs> then why do I even try? Look, the important thing is if you find me at this panel, <laughs> you should call someone because it means I died in room 6A earlier in the day <laughs> and my carcass needs to be fucking removed. <laughs> I read this, I'm like, this is a thing? Who gave Will I Am a pen? Well, well, you know, if they've got Gerard Way, <laughs> why don't we? What's Will I Am doing? <laughs> that was literally probably the question at the highest levels of Marvel. What's Will I Am doing? Promote synergy. <laughs> More likely at 3:30 p.m. Uh, in room 6DE, and I really kind of want to see this. Although, again, there's an actual conflict. Uh, Robert Kirkman and Todd McFarlane in conversation. Yes, that'd be right. Uh, yeah, apparently an intimate one-on-one chat. These two titans have forever changed the comics industry. How many baseballs do you have? How high did they rise? How did they do it? They'll discuss these topics and more. Translation, let's all pretend that haunt never happened. <laughs> That's the first time Robert Kirkman <laughs> and Todd McFarlane ever talked. I think it was that same was. 2006 Comic-Con. Because it, it was a McFarlane... No, yeah, it was a McFarlane panel. It was. And yeah, Kirkman wrote for Image, but it was under the... He wasn't a partner yet. He was just an Image writer with the deal of, yeah, okay, you take home the money. We'll publish the shit. It was not a good book. Yeah, No, it wasn't. It's not but, a good book. But Kirkman in that panel went up and asked a question just as a guy saying, how come you don't write comics anymore? And Kirkman had, not Kirkman, McFarlane had this whole bleh, answer, not realizing he was talking to his hottest fucking writer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then they put together Haunt, which had Greg Capullo on art, and it didn't matter. That's a murderer's row of talent to create a pile of forgettable crap. I couldn't even read it after like the third issue, but... In Starbucks unicorn dingleberries. The, <laughs> now the important <laughs> the important thing about this panel is the over under on the number of times that McFarlane swears that Image United Four will be released soon is seven. <laughs> seven times is the over under on that one. Okay. Now, because of all of that, I'm guessing, although this is opposite and it might be entertaining because it's a Marvel panel, and again, uh, and this is a chance to scream at the man. Uh, 4 p.m. Room 25 ABC Marvel's Cup of Joe, mm. which is the annual panel where Chief Creative Officer Joe Quesada Justifies shows up their to, existence. Yes, to answer questions <laughs> and just talk about Marvel. Uh, let's see uh, who else is in it. Uh, who's in it? Nick Lowe. Uh, <laughs> uh, a few creators on this one: Crick, uh, Chris Anka, who I guess is doing Runaways. Ryan North from Squirrel Girl. Rainbow Rowell from Runaways. I don't. I don't read Runaways. Um, this could be interesting if Quesada and everybody are actually willing to discuss legacy and whether or not it means actual change, or if it's just a stopgap 
while Marvel figures out actually how to stop the fucking bleeding. <laughs> that would be interesting. That said, they won't be willing to discuss legacy and whether or not it means actual change or just a stopgap while they stop the fucking bleeding. So given a choice between the two, I think I'd like to see Kirkman and McFarlane. I don't disagree. Uh, if At the very least, it'd be uh, about 90% less nipple rubbing. <laughs> not by me. I'm going to give 110% of that one. <laughs> uh, even uh, the problem with that, well, if we go to Kirkman and McFarlane, we could probably go to this because at 4.30 in room 5AB, it's that 70s panel, uh, and it just talks about Bronze Age comics, mm. and it's got Mike Grell okay. and Paul Levitz and Keith Pollard, who did Fantastic Four back then, Ron Wilson, who did The Thing, Marv Wolfman, uh, with uh, Mark Evanier. What kind of parents would name their kid I'll that? I'll never know how to pronounce that. Yeah, this is another historical panel, which I do get a kick out of, but yeah. it's also one about the era in which you and I started reading comics. Right. And that could have a lot of really interesting stuff, because to me at the time, at five, six, seven, eight years old, it was just comics. The last time we went to something like this, it, it sent you and I scurrying to go find a back issues table so we could find like issue 472 of Batman or something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of the guys said, yes, uh, a large influence on modern Batman, and particularly the Batman movie, was, yeah, this old issue of Detective Comics. I, I may have the number wrong but it was like 400 something yeah and it's yeah we went went looking for it and we had to look at two or three places because it's like i i, I don't need a mint copy I just, for 220 dollars yeah. i need a readable copy <laughs> <laughs> for 40 dollars and and we found it and then yeah it's it was a story that now is kind of simple and you'd imagine from batman but yeah this criminal trying to get away and batman just never stops right which you wouldn't think is groundbreaking, but apparently at the time it was, and it's, yeah, I recognize where a lot of modern Batman came from. Yeah. So yeah, we go to that 70s panel. I could find myself buying a whole lot of old Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a, definitely a possibility. Now we're getting into later. Uh, later in the day is a crapshoot. Ooh, yeah. Uh, at six o'clock in room 6DE, DC Masterclass. Uh, and it is basically the high-end DC artists who get to pick their projects. Amanda Connor, Tony Daniel, Andy Kubert, uh, Jim Lee, John... Re Excuse me. Fine, Lord Hobo. <laughs> uh, John Romita Jr. Uh, and a huge surprise guest. Hmm. I don't know who that is. And I just noticed the huge surprise guest. So now I'm thinking maybe we want to have dinner at seven. Who who else is? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if somebody's jumping their contract to go from Marvel to DC. No, read read the list of who's coming. Amanda Connor, Tony Daniel, Andy Kubert, Jim Lee, John Romita Jr. Okay, so maybe Capullo will show up. Maybe, but he's in an earlier panel. Hmm. I know Miller's at the convention. Frank Miller. Yeah, but um, he's not doing anything for DC right now. Well, I mean, all right, other than Master. Class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Master Race? Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe. All right, so now with the surprise guest. <laughs> I originally, uh, my, my note here is I really kind of only care what Amanda Connor's doing here. But uh, all right, yeah, let's maybe make an effort to go to that one. Okay. Again, depending on uh, how badly my hands are shaking <laughs> from hunger and or booze. This one is a real crapshoot. Uh, 7 o'clock in room 28DE, Action Labs Comics Creator Special. Okay. Uh, other than holy fuck uh, and talking with those guys, I haven't been following Action Labs as much as I probably should have because mm -hmm. I really enjoy that book and talking with it's those guys. Book. Yeah, it's button up against beer o'clock on Saturday. So 
So yeah, that's not a huge number of panels for a Saturday. Again, Saturday has really become the big media day. Yeah, we might have time to get to Tijuana and come back. We're not going to Tijuana. I don't <laughs> want to be kidnapped. <laughs> Where's your sense of adventure? <laughs> I've been to Tijuana. <laughs> I was 17 years old. and No, I was 16 years old. My parents kept saying, yeah, those are totally firecrackers. Those aren't gunshots. I think they were lying. <laughs> they lied to me. <laughs> Sunday, I think, is going to be easy for us. Mm. Uh, because, yeah, I think all morning we're going to be in a single room. There are a couple of conflicts here, so maybe not. Mm. We'll start with the original conflict. Again, assuming we can get to the convention center for 10 o'clock in room 7AB, which I think is going to be our home away from home on Sunday morning. Uh, We start out with Spotlight on Paul Dini, uh, who was one of the creators of Batman the Animated Series and has done a ton of comic writing, talking about all his career from early Star Wars comics to Harley Quinn, the problem is that is opposite spotlight on Tom King at 10 o'clock in 24 ABC. Mm. Now, <laughs> we have our issues with Tom King on Batman. I think he's had some spectacular issues with some questionable ones, including this week's, which is kind of why we're not talking comics this week. Plus, we also wanted to keep it short, even though we're almost at an hour and a half. Go us. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's apparently he's going to talk about Vision, and I loved Vision. That was one of my favorite comics from last year, so... Yeah, we'll have to see on that one. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm leaning toward Paul Dini, but not sure. It's also opposite at the Marriott Marquis. Food Network's chef Duff Goldman returns. What? What? Yeah. What? The Ace of Cakes. This implies he's been there and had a valid, legitimate reason to be there. Uh, it implies he's uh, been there. Well, of course What's he is. What's he writing? A book called Cupcake Man? Oh, no. It's, he's, he's got a special surprise to talk about in the explosion of, in popularity of nerd-themed cakes and weddings. Mm-hmm. How Instagrams change the way we view food and what's in store for him. As he continues to take over the culinary world one cake at a time, the celebrity chef will discuss with Jessica Shang... <laughs> Whoops, I pressed it over twice. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Uh, <laughs> about how comics and superheroes made their way into his food presentation and his love of baking. Okay. Look, sometimes when I'm very hungover, uh, I want cake. So this is a potential hostage situation. <laughs> yeah, but our, our room will come with a microwave, and I know how to make cake in the microwave. <laughs> We're not going to see. I wouldn't cross the street to piss down Duff Goldman's throat if his heart was on fire. God, you make one Millennium Falcon-themed fucking wedding cake, and all of a sudden, ooh, come to our panel. (laughs) Uh, Everything's under control. Situation normal. I pressed the wrong button. I I got a bad feeling about this. That's the one I wanted. I, too, can slather frosting on cardboard. Well, why don't you, for God's sake? (laughs) So that's all the 10 a.m. conflicts, I'm guessing, Bruce Tim, which is okay because at 11 o'clock in the same room as Bruce Tim, 7 a.b. No, I'm sorry. I'm Paul Dini because at 11 o'clock is Spotlight on Bruce Tim. Okay. So back to back, we've got the two main creators of Batman the Animated Series. Yes. I could think of worse ways to spend an early hungover Sunday morning than two hours of talking about Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. That said, the first time we met Bruce Tim was on a Sunday morning of Comic-Con, and he was... a. Uh, he was cranky. He was grumpy. He's, uh, he was grumpy. <laughs> he was probably not a morning person. No. Uh, we'll see. I probably won't ask him any questions. <laughs> he, he was grumpy even though I was handing him money on that particular Sunday morning. Yeah. I think I'll sit quietly and take notes. <laughs> Perhaps record quietly from the corner. And then at noon in that same room, 7AB, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, two decades with feeling a 20th anniversary celebration. Yeah. Uh, the authors of an upcoming oral history of Buffy are going to be there. 
they will look at what the future might hold in the 21st century. Uh, there may be some surprise guests, it says. Make no mistake. The surprise guest will be Nicholas Brendan. Yes. Uh, he shows up at all the Buffy-related Comic-Con events. I think he does it because he guarantees, he, at least for a while, he'll have a roof over his head. Hot meal. <laughs> the, the over-under on the number of rows back that you will need to sit to not smell liquor on Nicholas Brendan's breath is nine. Nine <laughs> rows back. That's my guess. Okay. So yeah, we may just spend the whole morning in room 7AB for once, not have to run around. That's exciting. Yeah, except at 12.30 in room 6DE is uh, the Women of Marvel panel. Hmm. The subject of women in comics, one of the most talked about in comics recently. Uh, women from multiple disciplines in the creative process at Marvel discuss what it's like working as a woman in comics today, what it means for the future of the industry. Uh, at the very least, Nick Lowe will probably not be at this one. <laughs> That's one good vote. Uh, it might be interesting, if only to find out what it's like being a woman working at a major comics publisher who doesn't have to deal with Eddie Berganza. <laughs> I'm just guessing. Okay. Somebody may ask the question. Uh, but no, that kind of might be kind of interesting. All right. We'll probably watch the Buffy one. More likely. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else is we coming to the home stretch at 145 in room 5AB? Uh, another Image Comics, your new favorite series. Uh, that one's got Cullen Bunn. Uh, Jim Mafood, who did uh, the Miami Vice, Miami Vice uh, Redux Relo- yeah. or Reload or whatever it was that we liked so much uh, a couple of years ago. Who else? Grace Ellis, uh, Shea Beagle. Uh, yeah, talking about new projects and uh, recommending comics. But the problem with that is that's opposite at 2 o'clock in room 25 ABC. Cover story, The Art of the Cover, which is just artists talking about drawing covers, but it's got... Art Adams, mm. Mike Grell, Joyce Chin, Joe Staten, Erica Henderson, again, moderated by Mark Evanier. What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> That's just a murderer's row of talent in one room. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I give that much of a fuck about comic covers, but to hear Mike Grell and Art Adams trade stories sure. might be worth missing the image panel. I don't know. We'll have to. Well, we'll see. Yes. And then the final one I have listed, the one we have every year, you know which one I'm talking about. In room uh, 315, in room 6 BCF, Buffy the Musical, Once More with Feeling, which is, yeah, every year, God, for like eight or nine years, one of the last events of the day is they show the Buffy musical in a big room. Which room are they doing? 6 BCF. Okay. For a while it was Ballroom 20, and then it was Hall H. Apparently now they've shifted it back to one of the still bigger rooms, but not the biggest. Yeah. They never filled the biggest rooms anyway. No. But yeah, it's it just, they play it and people sing along and shriek at the screen. It's fun. It's how we end the show every year. If you're going to San Diego Comic-Con, I'll be the one shrieking, Dawn, you fucking suck. <laughs> Come find me. I'll shake your hand. I'll sign your MP3 player. <laughs> You'd think that would identify him easily, but many people shriek at Dawn when she shows up on the screen. <laughs> that is that is true. I, she is not a fan favorite. I may bring my flask this year, you never know, <laughs> in which case I'll be enthusiastic. <laughs> and if I do, the over-under on the commercial break in which I will be ejected is three. <laughs> the third commercial break. So that's it's every- like Rob's law of threes this year. <laughs> it's a nice roundish number. It sort of works out. Uh, the one thing I'm really missing here that I really thought we would get, and this is just for me, it's not, you know, oh my God, I can't believe there's no Marvel Studios. But of course that's there. There's no Mage the Hero Denied. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. There's really no specific 
Dark Horse panel. Dark Horse has a few ancillary panels about their anime or uh, manga, rather, and various stuff. But yeah, and this is also, I think it's the first San Diego Comic-Con. I did just a text search on each page. Mm. I don't see a single panel with Matt Wagner. I don't think Matt Wagner's going this year. And he's been at every one that we've gone to, at least as a presenter at panels. Mm. And with The Hero Denied, you know, Maybe not to everybody, to me, that's a big event. I was kind of hoping there'd be something about it, and there's just nothing there. That's my big, uh, I can't believe they're doing it. Yeah, it's a little disappointing. Now, on the other hand, the thing I can't believe they're doing beyond Will I Am, which is fucking batshit crazy, but uh, I can't believe they're actually having a Twin Peaks panel. The show's already out. It's already kind of a hit. It's yeah. half. It's going to be more than halfway done in a couple weeks, unless there's going to be an announcement, hey, we throw David Lynch a whole bunch of other money to do more of them. I, yeah, but you know that's like saying I can't believe they're having a Doctor Who panel like, back during more of its heyday recently, like when Matt Smith in in sort of the rock star phase of these things. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess at this point, if things even remotely sound genre, they trot them out at Comic Con. Yeah, you, know, you always have to promote synergy. <laughs> I was after you for months to get that as a sound clip. <laughs> <laughs> it's on there. It's all, all right. good now. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, remember, these are the panels that we kind of intend to go to. Comic-Con is exhausting. We're not going to get to all of them. You have to leave to eat. You know, I have the drinking problem that requires feeding. Just the convention center itself is huge. The logistics of getting from panel to panel with a few minutes in between them, if they're in different parts of the building, with the lines that are there and the crowds that are all around... (laughs) It's almost impossible sometimes. Yeah. And like I said, if there's a particular thing that you think we should cover, I'm certainly willing to listen and consider it. Again, don't give us any TV or movie panels. Fuck that. Technically, this is our vacation. I'm not spending it standing in fucking line. And I guess the other thing is we can't be the only ones going there. If you listen to the show and you will be in San Diego, email us, message us. Maybe we'll have a meetup with people. We'll buy you a cocktail. Or you could buy us a cocktail. <laughs> we may be broke when this is all said and done. Yes. So, yeah, that's basically kind of the high-level plan, which, like all plans, will not survive first contact with the enemy. <laughs> uh, I've seen more packed schedules, but uh, I've seen less. There's some cool stuff there. Is there anything jump out at you? or? Um. That, well, the Buffy one speaks to me. Not the, I mean, the sing-along, certainly, but the, the 20 years anniversary. Yeah, I think we can totally make a go a Sunday morning on that, because number one, we'll be wiped the fuck out. <laughs> and the idea of, wait a minute, I'm at Comic-Con in San Diego, and I can sit for three hours? Just sit, K, yeah, I, I think, for this. I think the Kirkman-McFarland uh, one has potential. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Because Kirkman, Kirkman is, is funny, it's really going to be a question of how seriously is, is McFarlane taking himself that day. <laughs> Most days vary from the times I've heard him speak, <laughs> which is not a ton, but still. It's looking like they've got a lot of cool stuff to do that hopefully we'll be able to get to as much as possible. And like I said, we will do shows probably Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They will be short. They will be live to tape. We may sound the way I sound now, because not because of beer, but because we're exhausted. Fatigue hysteria. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, if you're attending the convention for the first time, we are not going to have time to do our former, oh, here's everything you need to survive at San Diego Comic-Con. We'll give you the short version. Uh, Go eat when you're hungry, bring water, 
and just resign yourself to you're not going to see everything and you'll probably be okay. Yeah, be have a, a list of panels you're prepared to duck out and go to at any given time after you've reached a certain point of of crowd saturation uh having been down on the floor. It's it's generally jam packed. You're not going to be able to move around very quickly or much. <laughs> the the joke I came up with the first time we went is you walk like you're trying not to attract a sandworm. It's, it's yeah. stutter step wait shuffle foot step shuffle which wipes you out. Yeah. Um, be prepared for internet drought because there's, there's often... There's always an internet drought at San Diego. There's a lot of free Wi-Fi on offer, but because there's such an influx of people, it gets spread out really, really thin. Um, and if you are like me, this leads to you freak out because you can't check your email. <laughs> I literally, our first Comic-Con, Amanda somehow broke through the security... <laughs> At the Sci-Fi Channel booth, they yeah. had computers set up to just sign up for the Sci-Fi Channel mailing list, and somehow you got to the open internet. I did, <laughs> and we stood I there did. for and they forty-five shut that shit minutes. Down. <laughs> they not only shut it down; they never had a booth again. <laughs> they rent out that diner down on Fifth, yeah, and that's where Sci-Fi is now. Right. <laughs> so yeah, be prepared for very little internet. Be prepared for. Follow us on Twitter if for no other period of time during the convention. We will do our best to tweet pictures and live blogging, so to speak, assuming we can get internets. Assuming we can get internets. Of the panels that we go to uh, on top of the shows that we do. And we'll, I'm sure, bring some of this up. <laughs> no matter what our guest next week. It's a, uh, we thought we were talking about Spider-Man. No, we're talking about this for a little while. <laughs> All right. Anything else about this? Uh, yeah. I know this has been kind of a weird show with us not talking about any particular books, and but yeah, we're we're excited. It's our first time going back for a few years, and uh, it's our you know the the last time we went was the first time we went where we were just a podcast model, and we were really still kind of small. We you could count our listeners not quite on a couple hands, but you know, now as a slightly bigger operation, not big enough. We'll ever make any money at this, but. <laughs> It's exciting to be able to go back and do some shows from there. So, yes. all right. Anything else, or should we wrap this? I up? I think we should wrap this up. Is it's still an hour and forty minute show oh, for a short show? All right. Not sure where you found this episode. You can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, you can message us through there. I've been trying to do more through there, failing somewhat eh. miserably, but somewhat. Facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. We're on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. If that's how you like to get your podcast, you can subscribe to the show through there as well as through our home website. But if you do it through iTunes and you get a minute, do us a favor. Give us a review. Give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. We are on Google Play Network. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I think that is it. It is. What did I say? This is episode 155? It is. Episode 155, for God's sake, of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife <laughs> show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and derp. Nick Lowe. Sugar Man! Prepare and despair. <laughs>